Welcome to Laura Asks About Motherhood, where I, Laura Pruitt, normally ask my guests about their experiences of being a mom. Today, however, I have a guest host again, my good friend Gina Goodman, who will interview me about my pregnancy. Part two! (laughs) Thanks for doing this again, Gina. Thanks for having me. Wait, how far along were you last time we talked? Last time we talked, I was 23 weeks along. And how far along are you now? 36 weeks. Oh, my gosh. So officially nine months. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Hey, that's a big milestone. It means you've made it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they told me that baby could come anytime between 36 and 42 weeks. So theoretically, this baby could be born at any moment now. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. Do your um, do they say what they consider to be like full term? Do they still do that now? Like categorize full term or not, or is it just straight up forty weeks of full term? Or do they say? Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. So uh, let's see. I am at, at this point. I'm going to prenatal appointments weekly, and then once I hit my due date, August eighteenth. Then I'll be going twice a week until baby is born. Wow. If baby doesn't come by then or before then. Um, How are you feeling? Overall, okay. Pretty good. Um, I still have some back and hip pain. It comes and goes. um, But getting massages really helps. Going to the chiropractor really helps. Uh, the chiropractor I was seeing is also pregnant. She's like a couple weeks ahead of me. <laughs> so she. <laughs> that is so impressive for this chiropractor to be manipulating people while also pregnant herself. Yeah. Yeah. So she has officially started her maternity leave. Um, so she referred me to another chiropractic practice and I'll be seeing them probably twice a week now up until the baby's born. So I can just like really get good <laughs> before yeah, go into labor. Yeah. Yeah. I was supposed to see them on Monday. Today's Tuesday. Uh, I was supposed to see them yesterday, but there was some scheduling stuff that we had to reschedule till tomorrow. And I am feeling it. My back is feeling it. Wow. Yeah. Well, one more day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But overall I feel okay. Um, it's getting harder to, move (laughs) and I live on the second floor accessible only by stairs so when I get to the top of the stairs I do it you know every day multiple times a day but now when I get to the top of the stairs I'm like (gasps) (sighs) a little out of breath (laughs) yeah I mean not only are you have more to carry with your body but like there's no room for your lungs to expand anymore because compi is just like taken over. Can't doubt. Hey, quick explanation. Troy and I refer to this baby as Compi 
We're waiting till Compi is born to find out if they're a boy or a girl, so we don't have a name officially decided yet. Troy and I call ourselves Team Raptor, so Compi is a reference to Jurassic Park. It's short for Comsignathus. Comsignathus? 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 I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but anyway, it's a type of dinosaur that is small and raptor-like. Um, how about like mentally, emotionally? How are you feeling being this close? Um, good. Yeah. Troy and I have done a lot of, um, like preparation and still doing a lot of the preparation for going into labor. Um, every once in a while, I'll look down at my belly and be like, my belly is so big. This baby, I have to push this baby out of my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hopefully it goes according to plan. Hopefully that's the way the worst goes, but (laughs) oh boy. I mean, have it done, having done it three times, I still don't quite understand how that is physically possible. But somehow it happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I know that for that to happen, you've been doing a lot of research and just really carefully thought out how this all is going to go down. So do you have a specific birth plan? And if so... What all do you have in place for the big moment? Yeah. um, Well, if it goes according to plan, I'll labor at home as long as possible. And then when it um, seems like I'm getting closer to um, transition, then we'll go to the birth center. And then there, hopefully we won't won't be there for too, too long. Um, I'll be there to basically just push the baby out <laughs> and have them check me and make sure I'm all good. Um, that is if my water doesn't break. So if my water breaks, then I'll have to go sooner and they'll have to check me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If uh, I had to double check with them, but I might be able to go back home if my water breaks and I'm not like in active labor yet. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have to stay there the whole time, but um, I'd be on a clock by the time my water breaks, you know. Okay, yes, I got some clarification from the birth center. They told me to let them know if my water breaks and they can help me assess if it's actually the bag of water that is broken or not, because sometimes it just slowly leaks instead of bursting super dramatically like in movies. They'll ask me a bunch of questions, like if it has a color, an odor, or if I'm feeling baby's movement still, etc., just to make sure that me and baby are okay. Hopefully, if it is my bag of water that is broken, labor would start shortly after it breaks and hopefully I would have the baby soon after that. Um, But if that doesn't happen, they told me that I would need to be in active labor by 24 hours after my water breaks. Otherwise, I'd have to transfer to the hospital. That is something I really want to avoid. So if things don't get going, they would have me come into the birth center to do things to help get labor going naturally. The midwife told me they could do a nutritional IV, do some body work, different stretches and exercises to encourage labor and to encourage baby to move into an optimal position. We could do nipple stimulation, as many natural labor induction strategies as possible to avoid going to the hospital. But if all those fail, then thankfully the hospital is still an option. I just really hope it doesn't come to that. 
Also, I didn't talk about specifics of what I want to do during labor because I plan to just follow what my body and this baby want to do. Maybe I'll labor in the shower or the tub. Maybe I'll dance, walk around. Maybe I'll be on the birth ball. Maybe all of the above. Maybe I'll want to give birth in the tub. Maybe not. I plan to just follow whatever feels best in the moment. I hope to be as in tune with my body as possible. The midwives recommended that we think about and write out a plan for if I have to be transferred to the hospital for whatever reason. So Troy and I made a birth preferences list of what we prefer in the hospital if I need a medical induction, if I need a cesarean, and newborn care in the hospital. I'm calling it a birth preference list uh, instead of a birth plan because I can plan all I want, but who knows what will actually happen, you know? Anyway, back to the interview. So hopefully my water breaks either like on the way to the birth center or when I'm already there. Also, I feel like it'd be a big mess. So hopefully it doesn't happen in our apartment <laughs> or in the car. <laughs> it is messy and it doesn't stop every contraction. There's more comes out. But yeah. you mentioned that you guys thought ahead and you're prepared to keep the car dry. Yeah. I think you said you got um, like chuck pads to put down. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we got chuck pads and also a car seat cover for the passenger seat. So we'll put chuck pads down on the seat and then the car seat cover and then chuck pads on top of the car seat cover and then some on the floor <laughs> just in case. <laughs> oh my gosh. So smart. So smart. Because when you get back in the car, you'll have a baby and the last thing you'll have time for is to scrub your car. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 That's part of the mental preparation. Also, um, I took the car seat to the fire station this past weekend. And the, oh man, Phoenix in July is so hot. <laughs> but the guy uh, made sure that the car seat was like properly installed and was like tight enough and wasn't wiggly around and stuff. So now that's all good to go. It's like one less thing to worry about. Yeah, that's a big one. I think not everybody knows that that's a thing that you can take your car seat in to get checked at your local fire station, but it's super helpful. And um, even if you had it installed right on your own, just a peace of mind is worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. We weren't, yeah, we couldn't figure out how to get it in the middle. We wanted it in the middle of the back seat instead of on the left or the right side. So it was helpful because he was able to get it installed in the middle which was nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You will be extra safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anybody who's going to be home with you while you're laboring at home? And then are there going to be specific people who are at the birth center whenever you go to that part of it? Um, yeah. When I'm at home, it'll just be me and Troy. Um, and then when we head to the birth, like I'll, we hired a doula. So she's a doula music therapist. Um, and we'll keep her updated as my labor progresses. Um, right now, the plan is just to have her meet us at the birth center. But if I feel like I need her at my house or my apartment, then she can come and hang out here with us and help us as we go from here to the birth center. Yeah, so it'll just be the staff at the birth center, me, Troy, and um, our doula. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Are you reading any good books right now? Uh, 
Um, so I'm, I started birthing from within. I uh, got really busy with work the last couple of weeks. So I haven't been able to get back into it. But now that I'm quarantining, I'm staying home. I'm only seeing clients online. I have more time to nap and also read so I can get back into it. So, so far, it's been interesting. How about podcasts? I know that was more of like when you were out on the road seeing clients because you had all that drive time. But any good podcasts lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually listen to podcasts while I'm driving, so I'm not driving as much. But I have been listening to Evidence-Based Birth podcast. That's been really good. And the Badass Breastfeeding podcast. I'm all caught up on it now. And... Hold on. There's another one that I've also caught up on that was really joyful for me to listen to. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Birthright. Yeah. Those are the, the birth and parenting. Oh, and another one was Evolutionary Parenting Podcast. Those are the birth and parenting podcasts I'm listening to. Nice. I feel like the evolutionary one sounds like something that's right up my alley because I just always refer everything back to just as like caveman as possible with raising babies because they're just they're not influenced by society at that age so I just I can't help but my mom brain just be in that most natural instinctual state with everything like you've got to treat these babies like their only goal is to survive and I don't know where it comes from but it just comes out of you once you have that baby you're just like that's where your mind goes. It's so wild and interesting, but I think it's totally, it, it's interesting to hear research based on that because I don't know, we're just such a advanced society at this point. And I think we get caught up in all like the, the newer gadgets and gizmos with parenting, but really babies just need their parents to hold them and them to feel safe and loved. Um, the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. I'm curious, did they say anything about, or have you heard about the updated guidelines on breastfeeding? Because I know that's kind of been like a big topic of conversation lately, just in time for you to have your first baby, of course. All this hullabaloo around breastfeeding, but how they changed the guidance to now recommending that breastfeeding can go up to two years old. And moms, instead of being like feeling like they're supported and like that's a great idea because nursing a two-year-old is awesome, um, instead moms are feeling really betrayed because it's hard enough to nurse a baby six months or 12 months, let alone 24 months. So I didn't know if you heard anything about that on that podcast or what your feelings are going into it with everything kind of being tossed around, like going into it as a first time mom and it seemed like not everyone's going to agree anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The one of their latest episodes, they did talk about that. Um, they were saying something similar that like the world health organization has always said up to two years. And so the American um, association or American pediatric association, whatever they whatever it's called, <laughs> uh, pediatric, whatever, organization. Um, American Academy of Pediatrics. There you go. Thank you. I was like, what is the second A? <laughs> you got it. You got it. 
<laughs> it's not association academy okay so yeah uh, they had said up to a year and so now it's like yeah they should be up it should have been updated to two years to match the who a long time ago but they were also saying that like it's really poor timing because this came out at the same time as roe v wade being overturned and also um at the same time a bill a pumping bill was passed uh not not passed it was passed on it was um rejected it was decided mm-hmm. not to be implemented um that would have given pumping parents more um protection in the workplace but government i guess decided that it was too costly for corporations and too much of a burden for companies so on the one hand they were saying yeah uh you know breastfeed as long as you can but on the other hand it seems like uh america is like contradicting itself like how can you breastfeed and provide breast milk to your child if you aren't protected at work to do so and how can you be expected to go up to two years if you have no maternal or yeah if you have no parental leave yeah so they talked a lot about the politics around it if you are interested in listening to this episode of the badass breastfeeding podcast it is called how policy changes affect breastfeeding and parenting from july 18th 2022 oh my gosh it makes it makes no sense any of it It, it's it's wild to me the disconnect but also i guess it shouldn't be because if we look at who's making these laws they're so far removed from any person who's giving birth or breastfeeding that why would they have any sort of empathy or prioritization for these situations hopefully whenever our kids our parenting things will be different hopefully <laughs> be more women and more more structures in place that are actually, you know, supportive of normal everyday life that includes having a family and having children and then also having a job and making money to feed those children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So I've never breastfed, um, but I'm planning to. I'll see how it goes. (laughs) But I'm, I'm determined to make it work. Troy and I went to a breastfeeding class a couple of weeks ago to meet with a nurse and IBCLC. And so um, she talked a lot about of like, you know, the basics of breastfeeding and it was stuff that I had already, a lot of it was stuff I had already learned from listening to the baddest breastfeeding podcast. And just like hearing other people talk about what breastfeeding is like, like your journey (laughs) and some other friends I know just talking about what it's like, but it was helpful to have Troy there to learn along with me about some of the stuff that she was talking about. And she gave me like a little doll so I could practice holding and pretend to breastfeed for a couple different positions. So that was helpful. Yeah. I think that doesn't really come up as much as so much emphasis on like the giving birth part. And a lot of women are led to believe that breastfeeding just because it's natural, that they'll just like do it a couple times and it'll be fine. But knowing what to realistically expect going into it and just like even the icky parts about it i think could make a huge difference when you're just the like few days a week two weeks postpartum and just like your body feels like a wreck and your nipples are bleeding and everything hurts (laughs) 
all you're going to want to do is quit because you're going to feel so betrayed. Like, why is my body doing this? Why can't it be my baby? But if you go into it knowing that it's difficult, knowing that, you know, your breasts have to go through this transition of going from never breastfeeding to then making milk and having milk come out of it, that there is a little bit of a, an icky period and that you just need to push through it and it won't last forever. If people were just told that straight out, I feel like the success rate would be so much higher. I just, how are we not doing better? I don't know how this turned into a political podcast. I'm so sorry, Laura. <laughs> well, I don't know. Cause like, I don't see very many people breastfeeding. Like it's not, it's not something that I see very often. Like you and I will send video messages back to each other. So I see you breastfeeding a lot, but like out in my life, I, it's not something I see very much. And so um, I think that's part of the problem. It's like a self, it's like a, a circle. Like you don't see it, so you don't know how to do it. And then when you try it, you, you fail at it, so you don't do it. So then no one sees you do it. And then they don't know how to do it and they fail at it. And then, I mean, fail is kind of a hard, a harsh word but like they give up or they like move on to something else yeah bottle feeding obviously but it's like it's hard so like if 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 there was more people out breastfeeding the world it wouldn't be um so surprising for a lot of people i think because they would see like the different things that happen along the way but i mean that's also part of the problem is that because no one's like it's not very well you know it's not seen a lot like when it when someone does breastfeed i've heard a lot of people say that they're like apprehensive about it because they don't want people making comments or like Mm -hmm. trying to kick them out or trying to tell them that they can't do that in public or something so it just seems so uh yeah a lot of a lot of stigma around it but hopefully that's getting better i don't know i think it was and then 2020 happened and we kind of like true went back a few steps but you're totally right you don't see it very often in public there are laws to protect people to do it in public you're allowed to feed your baby in public but i agree i hardly ever see anyone else breastfeeding i feel like totally strange for doing it as i do it yeah and the the success rate for breastfeeding are just crazy low especially up to the six month part or point um but you just got so much going on in those first few weeks after you have a baby especially for the first time and to just throw something so so big onto that pile that you already have going on you've already got this new little baby to take care of and your body just is feeling a way it's never felt before and you're tired and you're, you're sleep deprived and then you're doing this new thing on top of it that you thought would be the easiest part of it and it turns out to be the most difficult part oh no. for a lot of people uh, it's just that surprise I just can't imagine and and I know I felt it you know the first time I had a baby and I didn't was never told it would be that painful I was never told that my nipples don't stick out far enough or a baby to latch on, like all these things I never knew to think of. But if I had known to like read up on breastfeeding or just be an IVCLC before, like while I was still pregnant to learn about it, it wouldn't have, the shock value wouldn't have been there. I would have been better equipped to handle it. 
and it would not have been emotional. It would have just been like, here's the physical things going on. Let's tackle it because I, I knew this was going to happen instead of being totally blindsided and you're already tired and emotional. And I just, you can just totally understand why it, it is how it is these days, you know? So how did you know to go learn about it beforehand? Was that recommended to you by, by your midwife or is that just like your own curiosity or? Um, well, I, I worked in the birth field for a little while. So like nine years ago at this point, I did a um, creative arts birthing continuing education class for music therapy certification. And it was so interesting. And she talked a little bit about breastfeeding and the importance of it. And then I did a couple other trainings with uh, Mary DiCamillo. She's the music therapist that developed sound birthing music and those trainings. And so, yeah, she talked a little bit about breastfeeding and, you know, the importance of it and how it can be kind of tricky. And that's when I, I think that's the first time I heard about what a lactation consultant was and an IBCLC. So for those who don't know what those letters mean, internationally board certified lactation consultant. So it's like a worldwide certification and it's basically like a master's level work of their certification. <laughs> they do a lot of research and a lot of work into breastfeeding. So after I did a couple of those trainings from Mary DiCamillo, I, I attended a handful of births and I worked with a couple of birth clients and I met a lot of other birth professionals. So that's that was even before I thought I wanted kids. Um, so that I just knew about it from that. Um, and then when I was going to my prenatal appointments, they were like, oh, we have this breastfeeding class that we recommend everybody take before they go into labor. So, yeah, we did that. Okay. And that got us connected with a local IBCLC. That's awesome. That's awesome that they recommend that while you're still pregnant. That should just become standard of care, I think, across the board. Yeah, I do the Lamaze, the, you know, labor prep but also like what happens after the kids here because it's not like you can go sit in a class (laughs) after the baby's already born um yeah that's that's a very good point and then the birth center um so that ibclc she's a nurse that also works with the the birth center to do postpartum visits so um when the baby's a day old um, she'll come and come out to our apartment and and assess how the baby's doing, and also help with breastfeeding if I have any questions or if I need help adjusting things or something. And then if there's if I'm still having issues um, with breastfeeding, like in the first week or two or whatever, then I can always schedule an appointment with um, with them. Yeah, because it's it's not just her. We met one person, but it's like a group of three. Oh, that's awesome! That they'll come to your house and like help you out because usually you just have like your five seconds with the nurse in the hospital and then they send you home and they're like good luck <laughs> yeah the the home visit is just for the the first day of, of life after that i would um i would either go to them or the, i mean i could have them come back but it, it would be out of pocket so if i go to them it would be covered by insurance but if they come back to the house it would be an extra expense after that first day um is that would you be going back there at all for follow-up appointments. I know you have to take like the baby to baby checkups after, but do you, would there be any reason that you're like already at the birth center after? I don't, I'm not sure how that all works. 
because you mm-hmm. want to have a birth center instead of a hospital. Yes. So, yeah, they'll have the 24-hour visit at, in my home. And then, um, like you said, I'll take the baby to the pediatrician within the first 48 to 72 hours of the baby's life. And then um, I'll go back to the birth center at two weeks for a follow-up visit. And then again at six weeks for a follow-up visit. Oh, okay. Wow. That's great. The two-week checkup. That's super helpful. Usually it's just the six weeks and it's like five seconds. (laughs) All right. You're still in one piece. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Speaking of that, you, is this separate? You were seeing a physical therapist and then you did some kind of like labor simulator or, or run through or that, that separate. Yeah, that's separate. Yeah. So I've been seeing the pelvic floor physical therapist since March. It's now July. And she recommended that we do a a labor run through at my 36 week mark or as close to it as possible. So I saw her last week. Troy went with me. She did her like usual thing. She like assessed my pelvic floor and like did some light massage and cupping on my back and hip area to help release some tension that was there. And then I knew we were doing a labor simulation, but I didn't know what that meant exactly. So then she put these like, um, uh, I don't know what to call them. <laughs> um, she put these little things. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. Um, it was like these little, they're not like electrodes because it didn't like shock me. It didn't, I didn't feel any physical sensation from them. It was just to assess my, my pelvic floor. So she had them like one on the inside of my thigh and like one, like on my butt cheek and like one, like on my labia, like they was like all up in my business so that she could, yeah. So she could assess my pelvic floor um, in different positions. So she had me do different practice labor positions, like sitting up, side lying, um, leaning against the wall um, on a birth ball, like, yeah, different, different labor positions to see how tense or how relaxed my pelvic floor was. And then she wrote the numbers down on a little piece of paper that we have and uh, said that, you know, labor, you need to move around a lot. So oh, okay. the higher the number is, um, that's when your pelvic floor is more engaged. The lower the number is, that's when it's more relaxed. So if you are in a position where your pelvic floor is just naturally more engaged then and nothing's really happening, then you can try sw- switching to a different position to help relax. And maybe that will help labor progress better. Oh, so you want it to be relaxed. That's the goal. Well, she said, it's it's not that I have to avoid the higher number ones because there needs to be a lot of movement. So if I'm just lying down the whole time, that's not going to be super productive for labor. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it will be super productive. So like standing up, my pelvic floor is more engaged, um, but you know that works with gravity to help the baby go down. But Okay, if I need okay. a break, then going to a different a different position. Like there was one where I was sitting up with my legs in butterfly position. My pelvic floor is like really relaxed in that position. So even though I'm not laying down, but I'm I'm sitting up, so that would be a good one to go to. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I've never heard of anything like that before. I'm learning so much from you, Laura. It's insane. I had never heard of anything like this either. It was so interesting because, yeah, the little electrode things were like connected to this little box that I had to hold while I was in these different positions. And so that's how she got the number readings. It was very interesting. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Didn't know we're doing this. so helpful and like so logical and just so you know your own body and what works and doesn't work for you. That's also just uh, a benefit to laboring at home, that freedom of movement and switching positions and you could sit in like a butterfly position if that was comfortable for you. I'm so used to just like hospital life. They like hook you up to an IV as soon as you get there. You can't walk around. You can't move around. You're just like laying there on your back for till it happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the birth center, I'll be allowed to move around as well. I have a prenatal appointment this morning, actually. I'll find out if I'm GBS positive or not when I go in because I had the group B strep test last week. And so I'll find out today if it's positive or negative. But if I'm positive, then they'll have to give me antibiotics once I go into the birth center. And they said they try to time it so that I have the antibiotics for about four hours so that it gets to the baby so the baby will be protected. So if that does happen, I'll have that. I'll have to contend with during labor but assuming i'm negative then i I won't necessarily be hooked up to anything and i can just move around yeah that's ideal i mean even though it's just an iv it's still it's just another thing (laughs) yeah it's better to feel free yeah yeah and i guess thinking Um, about it i wouldn't be hooked up to the antibiotics like the whole time it would just be until it runs its course you know oh and then i can unplug it yeah yeah i am gbs negative so i won't have to worry about needing antibiotics in labor what whatever we communicate through marco polo uh, especially because of the time difference being pennsylvania and arizona but i know in a lot of your videos lately you've been doing stretches um, but it's not yoga you talk about what you've been doing lately Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of the stretches are yoga like and are similar to a lot of different yoga poses. So a lot of them are exercises and stretches that the physical therapist gave me to strengthen my pelvic floor, but also to strengthen like my hips and my back and my abdomen and stuff, get all of that stabilized as much as possible. And then the other uh, that I do is the spinning babies exercises. And I, I wasn't super familiar with spinning babies before getting ready for this baby to be born. Yeah, so Spinning Babies is like, I guess it's like an educational website where they talk a lot about like um, how to best prepare physically for baby by doing different stretches and movements and things so that all of the ligaments and muscles and stuff are in as best alignment as possible. Um, So they talk about not only the stretches, but also like how you get in and out of bed, how you stand up, how you get in and out of a car, like being really mindful of how you move so you don't tweak anything because everything is so loosey-goosey when you're pregnant. I didn't even know that was part of it. I thought it was just like a circuit and that spinning baby. That's just it. Yeah, yeah. A, a big part of it, a lot of it is is the stretches. Um, there, There's a couple that they recommend. If you don't do all of them, then um, at least do a couple of them. And one of them is an inversion where you 
I sent this in Marco Polo to you last night. I showed you where it's like you kneel on the edge of a couch or bed or something, and then put your hands on the floor. So you're upside down and, uh, or elbows. I guess you put your elbows or your hands on the floor, depending on how tall the couch or bed is. And then you just like are just upside down for 30 seconds. And then that's it. That's the whole thing. You just do it once a day. And that's to help get the baby head down and also help like get them in the most optimal position. So that's like one of one of the biggest ones they recommend because they say an inversion a day keeps a cesarean away is what they said. Oh my god. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, and baby's been head down since like mm, like twenty-four weeks. Something like that. So good job, baby. Yeah, good job, baby is right. Do you, I feel like some people say they can feel when the baby's quote unquote engaged, but I've also heard that first time moms, the baby can be engaged and then pop back out and then pop back in. But I feel like it is, you can feel it because then like when you're walking, it just feels like the baby's head is like so close to exiting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah baby's head down and I definitely feel the pressure in my pelvis. (laughs) I definitely feel, especially um, like when I first get up for the day, oh man, I can feel baby like really settling in. Or if I sit for a long time, oh my gosh, I can feel babies like really so much pressure on my pelvic area. (laughs) I mean, I know it's your pregnancy, but for some reason I give me butterflies thinking about it because I'm so excited. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh it's probably not very comfortable for, for you though no I'm no but up to your apartment every day <laughs> well when i'm walking around when i move around it's not as bad it's like it's especially noticeable when when i first get up when i'm sitting uh, or, or laying down for a while yep 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 we're on video i can spot a really cool car seat uh stroller combo happening back there so we're gonna be a little materialistic for a second i want to hear about the baby gear you've got what you're interested in what you have already what you want to get just any of your exciting baby purchases yeah um yeah so the car seat stroller combo is the duna and um it was on the pricey side but uh i mean we don't have a whole lot of space um so it seemed like it would be a good way to reduce clutter in the apartment and car and stuff um it's so cool <laughs> it's it's a little heavy but the videos of people undoing it in my yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so easy. You just press a button and lift it up and then it's a stroller and then you press the button and you like lean it down and then it's a car seat. Um, Yeah. So we have the base in my car. I know it is so cool. And then you just hook it into the base and we need to get another base for Troy's car. So we have that and it's super easy. Um, And even though it is a little on the heavy side, it has wheels. So you just like snap it up and then you don't have to carry it. You just push it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we got a bassinet to have like right next to my side of the bed, um, for once baby's born, that's where little baby's going to sleep. 
one of my clients gave me a diaper bag that has like a, a portable diaper station, like changing pad. Um, so that'll be good when we're like out and about. Um, and then Troy got a pack and play. He calls it the baby jail. <laughs> <laughs> And it has like a little um, diaper changing station on top. And it also comes with like a little bassinet area that you can click in and out of the, the pack and play. So oh, that can be portable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so exciting. It is exciting. We got, um, I was buying a lot of clothes and then I stopped um, because I was like, I think this will probably be enough. And then a lot of people gave us clothes. So we have like so many clothes for the baby now, <laughs> which is really nice. So sweet. So we have um, this, it's not like, it's not like a chest of drawers for the baby. It's like a, um, like shelves, like a shelving unit for the baby's clothes. And they're organized uh, last weekend, I think, or a weekend before we organized it by like size. So we have the newborn clothes on top. And then as we go through, the different clothes we can move them up and there's like zero to three and three to six months and six to nine months and stuff like that um we have diapers we have um some disposable diapers we're going to use for the first week or two of baby's life and then we also have some um uh, cloth diapers um oh okay mm -hmm. with some inserts that we're going to mostly use um yeah to keep costs down and we've heard people say like yeah cloth diapers are great sometimes some people have said that they had a hard time overnight like cloth diapers didn't work as well overnight so they would use disposable diapers overnight so um while we're planning to primarily use cloth diapers we'll probably still have some disposables for when we need it yeah yeah I, i've heard a lot of people doing the hybrid lately like if they're out and about they might just do a disposable or overnight but also just when they're at home hanging out it's no big deal to keep up with honestly it never seemed like the actual like maintaining of the cloth diapers seemed overwhelming it was the research before you buy it just because there's different kinds and they use their own lingo and i would just get frustrated and click out because <laughs> i didn't know there's just there's like convertible there i don't know there, there are different kinds and i still to this day don't know the difference between them um and then it doesn't help that people really swear by a certain kind and then other ones really swear by the other kind and bet their life on it um but i think i just overcomplicated. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it does seem like it would be so hard because there are so many options now so i got overwhelmed um so Troy is so happy to do research and like look stuff up and he's like, that's his jam. <laughs> so Troy has done a lot of the research for the different products and stuff. Yes, I know. Totally. It really helps. Cause like I'll focus on getting ready for labor and birth. I'll focus on getting us ready for that. And you can focus on getting the baby stuff. <laughs> so. That's awesome. I love it. Well, you're so close. Baby's hanging out near the exit. You are absolutely glowing. Oh, thanks. Any, any last um, thoughts before little one finally arrives? Um, let's see. So, yeah, my due date is August 18th, but they told me that 
according to my last menstrual period, it's more likely like August 20th and like, you know, guidelines, they won't let people go past 42 weeks. So I'm just like, okay, statistically, I'm more likely to go past the due date as the first time mom. Um, So I'm just like, probably a late August baby. This is something I think about a lot, but I really don't want to have a September baby. I don't want to be pregnant that long. (laughs) So I'm just hoping, I'm hoping Compi comes like, either August 23rd because that's my niece's birthday and that'd be fun if they shared a birthday or August 29th because that's Troy's dad's birthday and that'd be fun if they shared a birthday. But please baby come before September. (laughs) Um, Well, I would argue that yes, it is typical for first-time moms to go up to their due date if not past. But you've been doing so much physical preparation with all your stretches and exercises and everything like that, that I don't know, it could be sooner. I'm just saying. That's true. That is true. Yeah. I'm planning to keep seeing clients online until August 13th, which I guess is a little cutting it a little close, <laughs> but I'm, I'm only working like very part-time because I'm only seeing people online. So I feel like it would be a good distraction instead of just waiting around and being like, when are you coming, baby? Um, <laughs> so on the one hand, I'm like, I hope, I hope I have a week. I hope I go to 41 weeks. But also that's me saying that right now at 36 weeks when I'm not very uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know what I'll be saying once I hit 40 weeks, 41 and weeks, you know, if I get to that point. So we'll see. We'll see. I know it's very true. Baby changes a lot week to week at this point. So you never know. Even next day, you might feel completely different. But if you had to cancel some clients, they would be very happy for you. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's well aware. Like, I'm planning to go until this date, but if baby comes earlier, then obviously I'll let you know. So, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Um, I love how uh, last year Annie was due on my birthday and she ended up being born a week early. And then your baby could very well be born a week before your birthday. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Maybe, maybe even sooner. We'll just, we'll see. We will. Yep. Well, Laura, I'm so super anxious and excited for you. And next time we talk, there's going to be a little Laura there to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. You have no idea. Oh, my gosh. Um, Thank you. I will talk to you. But as far as signing off this podcast, I wish you the best, most beautiful, perfect birth ever. Thank and, you. Um, I can't wait to talk to you after and meet the little one. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, Gina. Thanks for doing this again. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Gina, thank you so, so much for interviewing me about my pregnancy again and asking all those questions so I can talk about what I'm going through right now. It was so fun, and I love having this as a little time capsule to look back on. 
Just FYI, listener, Gina and I recorded this when I was 36 weeks pregnant, but as of this publishing date, August 3rd, 2022, I am 37, almost 38 weeks. Also, at the end, Gina mentioned Annie, which in case you didn't gather from context, is her one-year-old baby girl. And I agree, Gina, it would be so fun if Compi was born a week before my birthday. My birthday is September 6th, but that would mean Compi would be born on August 30th, and I don't know if I want to be pregnant that long. Although, if I'm hoping for an August 29th birthday, that's basically a week before my birthday. So, we'll see. Oh, and after Gina and I recorded this interview... Troy and I did some body work with one of the providers at the birth center who specializes in spinning babies and using a rebozo. We met with her for two hours so Troy and I could get some hands-on practice of different stretches we can do before and during labor. I was super relaxed when we left. It felt so good. And we have started practicing what we can remember so that it'll be easier to cope and remember the things we learned once I'm in actual labor. If anyone is in the Phoenix area, I highly recommend getting prenatal care at Blossom Birth Center. They have been really great. If you are interested in any of the podcasts I mentioned, they are in the show notes. Again, I've been listening to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast, Evidence-Based Birth, Evolutionary Parenting, and Birthright. I also have the specific episode of the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast I mentioned from July 18th, 2022 called How Policy Changes Affect Breastfeeding and Parenting in the show notes. Lastly, listener, if you would like to come on the podcast to share your experiences of being a mom, send me a message. Or if you know someone who would be interested in being on the podcast, send them my way. I'd love to chat. You can reach out to me on the Laura Asks About Motherhood Facebook page or Instagram account. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and thanks for listening.